Warning, Tongue and Geek contains heavy spoilers. If you haven't read, watched, or played the content being reviewed this episode, know that we will definitely spoil major plot points. Also, this show isn't for kids. We use words like and and it would take too much time and effort to edit them all out. Please don't tell our moms. Lovely listeners, and welcome to Tug and Geek, where two more white guys on the internet give their unsolicited opinions on all things geeky. I'm Isaac. I'm Tyler. And today we're going to be talking about Superman for All Seasons, a DC Comics limited series written by Jeff Loeb. Did I pronounce that right? Or is it just Loeb? I've always, I've always seen it pronounced as Loeb. Okay. No. But the, the E's in the middle, though. Whatever, Jeff. It's Jeff. It's Jeff. Everybody loves Jeff. Written by Jeff and art by Tim Sale. Tyler, you want to give us some background on this one? Um, it came out in the late 80s. Uh, late 80s. Late 90s and was collected in trade, I think, in 2001, 2002. It is non-canon, meaning it's a perfect sort of entry point for somebody who might want to get into DC Comics or Superman. Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, they're kind of a, a dream team in comics. They also collaborated on... Batman The Long Halloween, which is like one of the most uh, famous and acclaimed Batman comics. Mm -hmm. And um, they also did the sequel, which is Haunted Night. No, Dark Victory, which is the sequel. And then Haunted Night, which is kind of like an anthology of like Halloween-y themed Batman stories. Yeah. And they also have stuff on the Marvel side. Um, Jeff Loeb, he, he did... The I don't know what the official term is, um, but I just call it like the color series. Um, Spider-Man blue, Daredevil yellow, Hulk oh, yeah. gray, Captain America white. Yeah, I think um, I read Hulk gray at least. Spider-Man blue is fantastic. I remember Daredevil yellow being good, and I never read Hulk gray or Captain America white, mm-hmm. but. Jeff Loeb is kind of contentious in the, in the comic fandom. Um, for every like thing that he's written that is like considered like a masterpiece, he has something that people think is awful. Oh, yeah. he also wrote Batman Hush, which is also famous. Yeah. Um, he, like the uh, he did Ultimatum, didn't he? He did Ultimatum. That's the one that everybody like <laughs> fucking hates. Him which for. it's I'm usually the champ, not usually, but sometimes I champion things that aren't quite as well liked in the community as other things but ultimatum is terrible <laughs> it's, it's absolutely awful he also has a really big hulk run um i think he's the one who kind of brought in general ross as the red hulk oh did he yeah i have to go back and reread those yeah so for- i read the red hulk run I mean, yeah, for every hit, he's got a miss, but his hits, they really hit. I didn't ask you your opinion of this before we started. I'm I'm assuming you liked it. Yeah. Because, okay. I really liked it. I liked this one a whole lot. Good. I mean, we'll get I'm into glad. the reasons why, but yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Good, because it's, uh, it's one of my favorite Superman stories, which mm-hmm. it's one of everybody's favorite Superman stories, but I mean, for good reason. I guess we could just kind of jump into kind of what it's about, why we liked it. And yeah. just go from there. It's sort of a pseudo origin story where they don't really go into like the whole like Krypton 
and like the planet exploding and all that stuff. But they do start out with Clark Kent in Smallville before he decides to become Superman. It's four comics. Each one is based on a different season of the year, spring, summer, fall, winter. It's the name for all seasons. Yeah. Uh, The first comic, Spring, takes place in Smallville, like I said, when Clark Kent is... He had just graduated high school. What I really liked about this is that um, each one is narrated from the perspective of a different Superman character. So Spring is narrated by uh, Paul Kent... Summer is by Lois Lane. Fall is by... I'm fucking Lex Luthor. And then Winter is by Lana Kane. Um, Lana Lang. Lana Lang, sorry. You even comic book. Lana Lang, you I'm I'm let. not super familiar with the Superman mythos. I like I know the general story, but I'm not like too deep into his characters. But I really enjoyed this story because it's all sort of broken down from each of these characters' perspective. It only takes place in like a single year of Superman's first like year being a hero in Metropolis. I think this is a great pseudo introduction to Superman. Like, yeah, no, everybody knows the general premise of Superman at this point. There's nobody on Earth who hasn't heard of Superman and know the general like, oh, he's mild mannered reporter Clark Kent by day or not, not by day, but like yeah, but when the world needs him, he becomes Superman and all this stuff. What I really like about this being narrated by all of these different characters and switching perspectives between each one is that we get to see the different characteristics that each of these characters love in Superman and all of these different characters have these different perspectives on him and why he's such an important figure. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good way to get insight into Clark slash Superman without him having his own narration or thought bubbles. Yeah. Like, you understand how he ticks and he doesn't have any personal first person monologue. Yeah. It's, it's a really clever way um, to write a comic. Mm hmm. So the uh, the first comic is Spring. It takes place in Smallville. Like I said, Clark has just graduated high school. He's not sure what he wants to do, but he's starting to feel like he needs to do something with these powers that are developing. Only his parents know Pa and Ma Kent. It's, it's a really slow comic. Not much really happens until towards the end when like a twister comes through Smallville and he uses his powers to save one of the townspeople. But like most of it is very just kind of slow and introspective. Which you you would think is boring, but like the way that it's drawn and the way that like we get to see Clark, we don't get his inner monologue, but we get to see him reflecting on the world around him so hard. It's a very interesting, poignant first issue because what I really love, what I'm realizing, the stories that I like best with Superman aren't the ones where he's taking on some like universe ending threat or fighting like some ridiculous bad guy or something. It's it's when we really just knuckle down and focus on like what makes Clark Kent a human being and his struggles with having the world on his shoulders. Yeah, it's it's basically it's it's just a coming of age story. It really is. Is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um there are so many retellings of Superman's origins mm-hmm. and there's there's just something about the how a writer can reframe his origins that just make for good comics. There's like half a dozen just really popular takes on the origin story. Yeah. And um this one is probably the most down to earth. Like no no pun intended. <laughs> I mean, there is action, there is super heroics, but it's, there's not like a through line. There's not a, it's not plot driven, as you were saying, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's character driven. It's a character piece more than anything. 
and all, all the while in this first issue, we're getting Pa's, like, Pa Kent's sort of perspective on seeing his boy coming to terms with these powers and not being able to, like, guide him the way a father should. And it's, it's like, really emotional to hear, like, him being like, I'm doing my best to raise this boy to be the best he can, but, like, how do I raise a man who can do anything? I, I just really like this dynamic between Pa and Clark because Clark is really... Like, they don't necessarily have an argument at any point, but you can tell there's tension between them throughout the comic. It's not necessarily out of anything either of them did or anything that, like, anyone said. It's just, like, Paul Kent has no idea how to prepare Clark for the world and his role in it. Seeing Clark have to sort of come into his own and step away from his hometown, away from Smallville, that that's like a universal story that so many people can connect with of like, I don't know where I fit in in the world, but I know I need to get out of home in order to find it. And yeah, to it's... have that kind of story told in a superhero comic is, it's really profound. Yeah, it's 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 like a gentle Americana kind of story. Yes. It's, it's 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 built and framed in that way from um the art and the relationships and how Smallville is depicted versus Metropolis. There's this great moment you were touching on the kind of sort of mild tension between Pa and Clark. There's this great moment where Pa and Ma are just talking about what Clark's going to do, you know. And Pa's just like He's got all these powers, you know, there's so much we don't know still. We don't know if he has any limitations, you know, what are we dealing with here? And, you know, Ma's just like, oh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fine. And like, you got to quit talking like that. What if he can hear us? And he's like, he, the boy's upstairs. He's asleep. How can he hear us? And there's just this panel of Clark just in his bedroom, just kind of like listening to the conversation because he has super hearing. Yeah. And just with like this kind of sad look on his face. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it says so much with just, just visuals. Yeah. I was going to talk about the art style, actually. Like, Himsel does a great job of sort of imitating the Norman Rockwell look. And you mentioned, yeah, this whole thing reeks of Americana, but like in the best way. Yeah, this definitely feels like a story from the Norman Rockwell-esque art style to the way that it's a coming of age story for a young man finding his role in society. Like this is very much like an ideal vision of America in the greatest sense. This isn't like propaganda for like, oh, America's the best. It's this ideal of like a land where people can contribute and find meaning and purpose in their contribution. It's like, the America we wish was real, please! It's like... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not the jingoistic sort of, you know, rugged yeah. individualism America, rah, rah. It's like, you know, I want to help and, like, through my helping, other people will want to help. And it's, it's, it's more of, like, what people in general in America, what we can be if, if we cared enough. It's essentially. hopeful. It's helpful. Yeah. And I think that's Superman's stories are at their best when they're giving hope. Specifically with like this uh, like whole bootstraps ideology with Americana stuff. Yeah. I like that Superman comics go out of their way to like break that down with the villain Lex Luthor. You know, Lex Luthor is very much just like this whole, I want to be the best. I'm the best. I worked my way up from nothing. I'm the ideal man. And like, he's a total asshole who constantly endangers the lives of millions. So like, we'll we'll get to that. There's the the third issue. There's some um, parallels that are pretty applicable to today. Yeah. That, maybe weren't as strong as when this was coming out. And I was just like, ooh, 
<laughs> when superhero comics can hit a button 20 years later that they don't know that they're hitting, that's it's almost prophetic. And I'll, I'll get into it when we get there. I don't even um, know if it's prophetic. I think it's just same shit, different year. Yeah. <laughs> Speak, uh, I, I, since we were talking about the art, I just want to gush over it oh, yeah. more. I mean, Tim Sale, he's a legend. He's one of the most beloved artists of modern comics. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many just great double panel layouts. Yeah. Throughout all four chapters, just the detail, the, the sort of angles he's able to get, the the expressions. A lot of people don't talk about colorists in comics. Oh, um, the colors here are amazing. The colors are done by Bjorn Hansen. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that name, the first name right. They're watercolors and they're just, they're, they're sublime. They're, they just, they reek of nostalgia. Like, yeah, not in like a cloying way. You just, you look at the images and you're just like, that's a world I want to be in. It's just really, it's expressive. It's pretty. And I just, and they really, they really, they really capture the seasons theme too. Like the first one is all in like light, soft greens and yellows and everything. Like it's a very light, it feels like spring in Smallville. And it's because of like the way that the art is. I will say about the art, it kind of threw me for a loop at first because Himsel's style is very not bad rough, but like it, it's not the kind of clean lines that you would expect yeah. from like a superhero story. And like it's kind of loose, yeah, kind of kind of has a sketchy quality sketchy as in like a loose sketch not like sketchy as in this is weird sketchy yeah but there's so much detail and what really threw me for a loop at first was like the character's faces like they're very very expressive but they're very like simple at the same time like there's not too much detail in like the eyes or the mouth or anything there were a few times where it kind of looked like superman had tiny face (laughs) clark Kinda has he, his face. Kind of has he has a good old boy sort of a yeah, he's a, sort of look to him. He's a big old boy, and he's got a tiny little face <laughs> on there. And it's, it was really funny a few times there. Um, it took a minute to adapt to that, but once you do, it's like it's so beautiful because, like I said, it's it's not what you would necessarily expect from a traditional superhero art style, but it works so well with this kind of story. We didn't touch on the obvious symbolism of, you know, a character growing as the seasons change. Yeah. To some, that might sound kind of trite, like, oh, character development as a backdrop of throughout a year. But it it works because it's so understated. The, the seasons are more supposed to reflect what's happening in Superman's life during the time. Like yeah. spring, it's, you know, it's some, it's like life new beginnings, new beginnings. And he's trying to figure out what he's going to do after high school, where he's going to go. Mm-hmm. And then summer it's, it's bright and you know, it's, it's something new mm-hmm. and it's the start of something. Exciting. And he's Superman. Yeah. There's high energy, excitement, um, danger, even like there's this sense of like action in summer that the others don't necessarily have. And summer is kind of, you know, it's the it's the season everybody looks forward to the most because that's when they can be there. You know, that's when they can just let loose and everything's cool and everything's fine. And that's where Superman is, you know, at his height. And then fall, obviously, that (laughs) we'll get there. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about how the first issue spring ends. Um, There's a tornado. It's a A tornado happens. There's a little twist. Um, The tornado comes just the right time during a Clark's um, sort of crisis Mm -hmm. of, of identity. Um, he gets sucked up in it, 
and he's kind of scared at first. And he's like, well, when I can, I can do this, you know, yeah. I can handle this. It rips his shirt and, off and we get to see the beef on that boy. Yep. That Kansas beefcake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He learns to fly for the first time and he started, you know, he, he saves some lives from a gas explosion, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And he's just helping uh, Ma and Pa fix up the farm. And then later, you know, he's getting ready to leave for Metropolis. And he decides to tell Lana, Lana Lang, who has been his best friend since childhood, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I have these powers. And it's just really sweet, romantic scene. Just it's set against like the calm blue of just, you know, nightfall. What's romantic about it is just I, I, I'm such a sucker for, you know, what's the phrase? Um, unrequited love. Oh, and, yeah. and Lana has unrequited love for Clark. Yeah. And as much as I love Lois and, and Clark together, I've always just kind of been that kind of fanboy. It's like, man, I wish Clark and Lana could get together. Yeah. They have I, w- I a, wish they can be the power couple. They have such a genuine connection. They have the childhood sweetheart connection that like feels so right, even though it's so sort of tropey. They were always together. They always hang out. They spent all their time together and she's always there to support him and he's always there to support her. And it just feels right. And like, I love how everyone in Smallville is like constantly pointing this out too. like those two. I remember when yeah. Ma and Pa Kent used to sit there in the diner. Oh, look, there's Clark and Lana. They're going to be there someday. Yeah. Smallville ships Lana and Clark. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand why Lois and Clark are like the couple, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I can't help but feel because there's, there are so many, it, this isn't always the case because, you know, we know how comics, you know, shift and stuff, Yeah, but in so many continuities over the course of the publication of the comics, Lois has always kind of been dismissive of Clark, but into Superman. Yeah. It's not until she it's not until he comes out, hey, I'm I'm Superman that she that it all comes together. And that's always kind of bugged me. Yeah. Because like she's this whip smart, snappy, like do anything to get the story to reveal the truth kind of person. But it's always just kind of bugged me that she mostly didn't have the time of day for Clark. Who is who is As she does with Superman. Yeah, who is essential to Superman's character. Like, Superman mm. is Clark Kent, not just in the literal sense, but, like, if Clark Kent hadn't been raised in Smallville, if he hadn't grown up with this sense of, like, responsibility and duty and selflessness that the Kents put into him, like, Superman wouldn't exist. And the fact that she can't see that in Clark is kind of infuriating. And you could argue, which is fair, that... Depending on how he's written, you know, Clark is a bit of an act. Yeah. And it's totally fair that, you know, she she doesn't have she doesn't have to be into that kind of person if she doesn't want to be. Right. But we have this childhood friend in Lana who has known Clark his whole life, who knows both sides of him and accepts him for who he is as just the good old <laughs> farm boy. And I just. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be together. <laughs> I, I knew nothing about Lana prior to this comic. I knew she was a character. I knew she was like his childhood friend, but I knew nothing about like what she was like or what their relationship was like other than they were childhood friends. And I, this comic immediately endeared her to me because it's such a real sort of arc that she goes through throughout this whole miniseries. And we, for 
part of it, she's just kind of in the background. But when she's there in the final comic, like we really get to see how this has all affected her. Yep. So uh, I think even though it's not, even though it's not canon, (laughs) I hate canon arguments, even though it's not canon, I think this is one of the better Clark Lana stories. Yeah, write your fic, bro. Maybe I'll write my fic, bro. Do it. Write you some fic. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on to summer. On to summer. This one is told from Lois's perspective on her, basically how she's handling the reveal of Superman in Metropolis. Which is a, another kind of good angle to yeah. explore. Yeah, I, I really like her perspective on this because this version of Lois Lane is a little um, a little more bitter and cynical than what we read in like Superman Smashes of the Clan. She's not like like a super bitter old person, but like you can tell she's like more of a cynic where she's like, this man is too good to be true. Like, what's the deal? I don't get it. How is he so perfect? <laughs> like, which, uh, which makes total sense. Cause she's like the star reporter yeah. of this g- gleaming metropolis, mm-hmm. <laughs> but don't, you know, she, she covers all the heavy stuff. And I like how she talks about how Perry White, who's the publisher of uh, the Daily Planet, you know, what, what's it like? Only believe half of what you see or let me believe, find the exact. Believe none of what you hear, half yeah. of what you see and everything you write, mm-hmm. which is great advice. Yep. And then here comes Superman flying around, saving people, looking all awesome. And that just completely throws her entire philosophy through a loop. And she's like, well... I guess I'm just going to have to figure out a way to adjust to this. Mm-hmm. And it's because he challenges her worldview that she becomes so like interested in him. They don't really, ex- they don't really get into the romance, which I no. think was a, was a good idea Yeah, to, to keep the romance on the back burner. Mm-hmm. You can tell but, she's crushing on Superman and she's kind of yeah. antagonistic with Clark at this point. They're more like rivals than like friendly mm-hmm. colleagues, uh, which I thought was an which, interesting dynamic. Which is funny because she doesn't know they're the same person. Yeah. So here comes Superman ch- challenging her worldview. And then here comes this, you know, bumpkin clark kent who becomes like this sudden you know star reporter so she has (laughs) this same person who she doesn't know is the same person is coming and just completely mussing up her whole deal Mm -hmm. i think it does a really good job of explaining why she finds superman interesting in more in more ways that's not just thirst Yeah, no, it's like her fascination with Superman is very real and understandable for her character. Like she is very much someone who has spent her life breaking down these images of men who make themselves out to be perfect, like Lex Luthor. Yeah, she's been doing profiles on Lex. Yeah, but like here comes this person who one is an enormous mystery. How does he have these powers? How does he do the things he do? Why does he do the things he does is like the big question she has, like why would somebody spend all of his time just being a hero and to have somebody come along and literally be too good to be true. And yet she can't find the fault with him. Like that's of course she would become enamored with that because it's like it, teases both her like childlike her deeply set childlike desire to believe in something with like her more cynical approach of like i have to know the story yeah that's a good angle i didn't i didn't quite kind of connect so uh thanks for that yeah um also i think this this is directly from the comic 
I think this kind of sums up her um her whole reaction to it. Uh, she says it's all BS before Superman, <laughs> which <laughs> that encapsulates her whole sort of perspective in the comic. Yeah, Summer is probably the thematically lightest issue of the four, which isn't which isn't a bad thing. It it, it needs that sort of slight tonal shift. It's basically Lois just discussing it from her perspective as we see Superman flying around Metropolis, saving people's lives, stopping a rocket. Well, like I said earlier, it's got more of that excitement and action. Like, it starts off with Superman taking a rocket into space and then later he's, like, at a fire and he, like, spins and makes a fire tornado and carries it off into the ocean to stop it from going off. This is the one also where he has, like, a submarine that he goes down into and, like, lifts it out because it launched a nuclear missile. Like, this is the most action-heavy one, and I feel like even though maybe the imagery isn't necessarily connected to summer. It matches that sort of like excitement and danger of summer with like all of this stuff is happening. Superman is now at his height, at his peak, you know? And and God, the art, I just, there's, yeah, (laughs) I I don't want to keep repeating myself, but there's so many like amazing double spreads here. Just Mm -hmm. that this one whole shot of just Superman, like flying through frame and the, the S is just so big and prominent and the colors pop and just yeah. an, a, another double panel, double page panel of him stopping that missile in the sky and like a classic Superman pose. And then there's yet another double page panel where he's just kind of floating up in space, looking down on earth with a smile mm-hmm. and just the images are so simply rendered, but they're so detailed at the same time and just so beautiful like sometimes even though comics are half of a visual medium um sometimes it's hard to stop and just enjoy the art yeah but there are so many pages and panels in this where i just i I just want to stop slow down and just look at it you want i want them on a wall you know (laughs) yeah yeah so many panels in this could be a poster just they feel like rockwell paintings mm mm-hmm and it's summer and Superman is in Metropolis and he catches the eye of, of course, Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. He pisses off Luthor. I like that Luthor still has his hair here, too. Yep. He's a redhead. <laughs> and um, even though this isn't from uh, Luthor's perspective, we see just through his facial expressions and stuff that, you know, he's not happy. He's not happy that Superman's around. Uh, he's crushing on Lois, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, th- that's that's been kind of an on and off thing in the comics yeah sometimes writers go that way sometimes they don't this is based on some of the older superman canon isn't it um loosely loose in, inspired by yeah um, more more than based but yeah um there's kind of a lot of superman the movie in this in that regard it's it's very kind of silver age golden agey yeah what i like about it is that it ends on an ominous note because there is a fire at a chemical lab. Was it established that Luther started it? or No, I don't know if it was necessarily... It was established that Luther wanted the company... Was going to buy out, wanted to buy out the company. And there was hints that maybe he had something to do with it, or at least he would greatly benefit from it burning down. We see this fire, and there's these Lex bots that Lex has, because, you know... Lex Luthor gonna Lex Luthor. Um, he he's got to challenge dominance with Superman, and um, he Superman saves the life of somebody that was um, gonna die in the fire that the uh, the Lex bots didn't see or didn't care to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, he puts out the fire by like 
spinning around real fast and sucking out all the fire into space. The person he saves, the, the woman he saves, she was like at this door. She she gets taken out. She sees Superman and she kind of becomes obsessed with him. Um, she calls him uh, her angel. Yeah. And Lex sees an opportunity. The uh, The last panel is Lex going to this woman's apartment. And it's just it's just this big shrine to Superman. And you you know he's 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 thinking of something, but you don't know what. Mm-hmm. And then you know he's like, I can, I can help help you to help Superman. Mm-hmm. She's, I would I would do anything for him. He's my angel. Mm-hmm. And chapter three, the fall, fall, ominous, mm-hmm. which is from this is probably my favorite chapter, my favorite issue. Yeah. Yep. Because I just I love Lex. He's <laughs> he's probably my second favorite comic book villain. Of all time after Magneto. Yeah. I just I I just love the fact that the world's strongest superhero, his arch nemesis, is just a businessman. Just a sociopathic businessman. Yeah. That wasn't always that wasn't always the case. Um pre Bronze Age, um, Lex Luthor was more just the mad scientist type. Oh really? Until, yeah, until after uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths um, in the mid '80s, when they rebooted the DC universe for the first time. Yeah, that's when he was he was revamped into you know the um, the businessman archetype. Right. And uh, this one is narrated by Lex, and I just love his entire characterization here because it's everything that I love about the character. He loves Metropolis. He loves the power he has in Metropolis. Yeah, and any threat to that power, he's going to stop at nothing. He keeps making um, the metaphor to destroy. He keeps making the metaphor as like Metropolis as his lover, like a woman, and it's very creepy. Yeah. It's very creepy and insightful into like his whole worldview of like, oh, I am better than everyone else, and this belongs to me. Which explains how, like, he also sees women as super creepy. He just sees it as, like, this is my love, and it owes me love in return, and it's very fucked up and, like, creepy. Yeah, he says this is a love story between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Not a man and a woman, but a man and a city. It's it's literally, it just... It's it's a jealousy thing. Yeah, he talk like he says like all good love stories. It's full of revenge. Vi- like he doesn't actually talk about any of like passion or connection or anything. He's like like all good love stories. It's full of revenge and envy and all of this stuff. Yeah, it's it's all the negative aspects that yeah. extreme love can can bring. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's jealous that his lover Metropolis has taken its eye off of him, you know, Lex Luthor, the man who built Metropolis from the ground up to this new guy, to Superman. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't outright say it, but he basically sees Metropolis as cheating on him. <laughs> no, he, I think that, he outright says it a few times. That sounds corny to say it, but it's written uh, really well. Yeah. And he has this really evil, just fucked up plan that he does with yeah. the woman who's, who's Superman rescued. I want to get her name because I don't want to just keep calling her the woman. The woman um, Toxin is her superhero name. I remember that. The superhero name, quote unquote. Quote unquote. Uh, uh, Vaughn. Miss Vaughn, what's her first name? Vince. Vince Vaughn. It's Miss Vince Vaughn. We'll call her Miss Vaughn for now. Okay. I think it's Dr. Vaughn. She was like a biochemist or something. Yeah, she's she's a biochemist. Yeah, call her doctor. Damn it. 
what's great about his evil plane here is that it's not meant to kill Superman. It's not meant to destroy Superman. Yeah. It's just meant to make Superman doubt himself mm-hmm. and and leave. He yeah. brainwashes this poor woman, Miss Vaughn. Doctor. Dr. Vaughn to create this toxin that releases in Metropolis and attacks everybody's respiratory system. Yeah. With that, I'm just like, ooh, a virus that attacks the respiratory yeah. system and kills people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, geez. <laughs> uh, uh, and like the, the whole city is just slowly choking to death, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Superman's going around trying to figure out what it is. And then he's like, is this is this Luther? Is this Lex? And the whole time Luther is narrating like he won't understand what's going on for all his power. He'll be helpless. And like you see Superman like stop a running train because the conductor is passed out. But like there's nothing Superman can do to help anybody right now for all of his power. He really is useless. Yeah. And I love the warped way that Luther sees Superman. Like mm-hmm. he just he doesn't he doesn't see, he he this is his problem throughout any continuity. He doesn't believe Superman is what he says he is, is how he presents himself. Yeah. He just he always thinks that like there's always some ulterior motive that he's Superman's not quite who he says he is, or he's gonna snap at some point, or he's gonna show his true colors. Like nobody could be that good. And he also he also sees Superman not just as alien literally, but also alien to the idea of man and the idea of man's meritocracy. Like, here is this being with all of these abilities, all of these natural gifts that puts him above humanity, and it sickens him because what Lex values so much is this ideology of, like, I am the greatest man because I made myself into the greatest man. I clawed my way to the top, and here's Superman who did nothing to deserve his power yep he doesn't he just he hates the fact that somebody is better than him Mm -hmm. and is more pure of heart than him which i mean that's not saying much because everybody's more pure of heart than luther he hates so much he can't understand that somebody with so much power can be pure of heart and that's what that's the thing is that like what really makes superman better than him as a person and a hero isn't the powers that he has like his powers are important but there's so many dc characters and superheroes in general with like technology with no powers and they manage to like stand on par with characters like Superman. What ma- what makes Superman a better character than Lex is his empathy and compassion and desire to help others instead of just stroke his own ego. And the fact of the matter is, just Lex can't see that that's what makes Superman super. He only yeah. sees it as a matter of literal power. Yeah, he, Superman's an insult to him, to his intelligence, to his own sense of superiority, and, and he can't abide that. Yeah. I mean, he, he says something along the lines of, let me, fl- let me flip to it, let me find it. While you're looking for that, I will say that I really loved the scene where he just gets out of jail after he commits a crime, and I don't know if we ever actually figure out what the crime was, but uh, he gets like a shave from one of his employees, and the employee like nicks him on the face, and she's just like so terrified. She's like, I'm yeah. so sorry, sir, I, I didn't mean to. And like he says, it's all right, you made a mistake, I forgive you. And like, from any other character, that would seem so innocent and like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool of them to just forgive them, but like, from Lex, you can just feel this whole superiority complex of him being like, 
I am your god, and I am fine with you being beneath me and making mistakes because I know you'll never be the perfect being I am. In all of my gracious mercy, I forgive you. Like, you read all of that between each line. Yeah, it's 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 real scuzzy. He's a real scuzzy guy. He's real scuzzy. He's a real fun to hate. As um as Superman is zipping around trying to figure out what the hell is pretty much killing everybody in the city, Lex is narrating. He says he can even fly from here to the moon for all the good it'll do him. This time there will be no one for him to bully. <laughs> like just the fact that he he sees Superman as as a bully. Yeah. As like, like here here's this here's this man this billionaire Lex Luthor who built Metropolis up you know, to what it is now and who has all this power and all this influence and everybody answers to him. He answers to nobody who beats down his competitors and possibly started that fire in order to buy them out. Like, and he has this child. He's a genius, but he has this childish mindset. Like Superman's a bully. mm -hmm. You know, he's taking the attention off of me. It's, it's so just, uh, I, I, I love a juicy villain. Lex Luthor is always just such a juicy villain. Yeah. And um, we find out that Lex brainwashed uh, Dr. Vaughn, this chemist, to create this thing, this virus, and also the antidote. And Superman's like, I can't prove that you did this, but like, I have a feeling that you might know how to stop this. So I'm asking you, please, can you help? And Lex is like, oh, okay. I, m- I might have something. Yeah. And then he brings her out. Jenny is her first name, Jenny Vaughn. Mm. And she's in this like kind of villainous looking superhero get up now. She has this big gun with an antidote in it. Yeah. And she's all excited to fly with Superman and just and disperse the antidote. And she's happier than, you know, happier than a clam. And they, and they save everybody. Once they're done, he comes back. He brings her back to Lex Tower. And she starts coughing and dies. Yeah. The whole time she was exposed to the. The virus or whatever, and she, um, yeah, she doesn't make it. And Superman—that's Superman's. It's very much implied that this is Superman's first loss. That this is the first mm-hmm. time he's lost somebody, and like he wasn't able to save them. Yeah, and of course, Lex planned this the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, this uh, the poor woman. See, even all this stuff you can do, like you, you, you just don't understand how you know fragile people are. Mm-hmm. How easily people can die." Being the most powerful man, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. And like he he preys on Superman's, you know, alienness and his like sense of otherness. And it gets to him. And he's like, you know, why don't you just go back to wherever you came from before you do any more damage? Mm-hmm. And that gets to Superman and he leaves for a while, yeah. which segues into winter, the last issue where he goes back to Smallville to thinking things over, not knowing what to do with himself. And this is Lana's chapter. Yeah. What do you think of Lana's chapter? Like I said, Lana really endeared herself to me in this because throughout each chapter, we're getting bits and pieces of her story. I think Superman or Clark briefly revisits uh, Smallville in it. Was it summer? I think he briefly revisited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He goes back. He goes back and he goes looking for Lana. He finds out that she left Smallville to go and travel and nobody really knows where or what she's doing or what's going on. So this mystery of like what's going on with Lana is kind of built up throughout this series. 
we get to winter, it all comes to a head because we find out that, like, Lana was so shaken up by Clark having powers. And it's not, like, the traditional, like, oh, my God, he's a monster kind of thing. It's, like... Clark is someone that she knew her entire life, someone that she desired to be with. She wanted to marry Clark Kent. She had that unrequited love for him. And she realizes when he reveals those powers to her, first off, she thought he was going to propose and she was so excited for it, which is so sad. Um, They went to prom together. She just she just. Yeah, she just was 100% certain that they'd end up together. But when he reveals those powers, she realizes that, no, not only is this like, oh, he's not thinking about me in this way. It's more like he is going to dedicate his life to serving others and making making himself so selfless and helpful to the whole world. And I can never be his priority. It is so, so sad to see this from her perspective because it's like she's not she she's not mad at Clark. Yeah, necessarily. she's not mad. She's not bitter. She's, she's not just bitter. She's so she's so still in love with him because the reason they can't be together is because he is too good hearted to dedicate himself to one person. He literally owes himself to the world. And it is so heartbreaking to see someone who cares about him so much realize that like the reason that I love him, the reason he's so amazing is the same reason we can never be together. Yeah. I, I, I love how after the relative intent, well, the third issue was very intense, but how the second issue was action packed. The third issue was also action packed and intense. And then the story ends even kind of slower than the first issue begins, Yeah, um, which is kind of daring, you know, for a, a mainstream superhero comic book. It's a, it's a just... character piece. It's really, mm-hmm. it's not about like the superhero plot here. It's about exploring who Superman is as a character and and how the world sees him through the eyes of the people in his life. Yeah, and the, I mean, one of the first things he does when he goes back uh, to Smallville after um, Lex chases him off, he goes right to Lana. Aside from Ma and Pa. She's the only one who knows, not even their other best friend, Pete Rose or Pete Ross, Pete Rose, (laughs) Pete Moss. (laughs) Clark didn't even tell Pete and the three of them, you know, were thick as thieves. Yeah. So it's kind of like this whole like, well, why did he tell her and not Pete, too? You know, and that's never that's never like concretely stated as as to why. Like we never find out that Clark, if he ever loved Lana the way she did him, um, there's hints that he might have, hints that he might not have. But through his actions, you get the sense that he does, but he just he doesn't know. I don't know where I was going with that. What do you think? I I don't know if necessarily it's even a matter of. I don't I don't even know necessarily if it's important for Clark to have those kind of feelings for her because. Yeah. Honestly, I think if it had focused on the idea of whether or not Clark, like, oh, I want to be with you, too, but I have too much responsibility, that would have made it too trite, you know? that would Yeah, a little maudlin, yeah. That would have made it like, oh, we can't be together, I'm owed to the world. But the fact that, like, the story lets itself tell this and show it through, like, 
Lana's unrequited love for him and not like the two lovers doomed to never Born apart be. by yeah. De- yeah. It's it's not that. Like th- that is the theme running through here, but it's not being done in a way that's so trite and like obvious to the to the audience. Like it's being done in a way that shows how this impacts Lana as a character. The great thing about having all this outside of Clark's perspective, of having all this narration from other people, is to show not just how the world of Superman views Superman, but how we as people view the ideology of Superman. You know, we start with, like, Pa Kent and, like, this idealized Americana of Smallville and Clark being just a good old boy seeing all that from his perspective and like yeah it's very sweet it's very down to earth it's very hopeful of like an America that we wish was real then we get to Lois who's a bit more cynical she's like I don't understand I don't understand how he can be so good how he can be so kind hearted and great and helpful and wonderful in every way with no obvious faults And despite her cynicism, her skepticism of him, you can see that hope starting to blossom again. You can see just how this figure helps her to develop a sense of hope again. Then we get to Lex, who is the ultimate cynic, who is someone who is not just cynical of the world around him, but who has, like, embraced that cynicism to the point where he is like, I am the only one who can fix the world. I am the only one who is deserving of praise because I am worked my way up to this. I made myself a perfect person, and I can't believe anyone else can be good or even better than me because that would completely shatter my worldview of realizing that I'm not a perfect being. And then when we get to Lana, we get possibly the most grounded I would say perspective yeah probably now, most introspective because it's not she's not seeing this idealized Americana that Pa sees of like that boy's gonna fix the world he's gonna be something amazing and he's not she's not the like Lois Lane like trying to unravel a mystery and she's definitely not the Lex who hates him she's someone who sees her friend her someone she loves and cares about and seeing the good he can do realizing how powerful that is just to have someone who cares and there's a great bit where she's talking about like how people didn't understand why clark would yeah, do was, the things he I does was just gonna bring that up yeah. yeah and it perfectly reflects on like lois's arc where lois is trying to figure out why he does what he does and she's like it's no mystery the same reason that superman shows up to save people is the same reason that like a firefighter would or a priest would offer like comfort in trying times like it's just because he's a good person it's just because that's what he expects of himself yeah and she she says something along the lines of yeah people say like what kind of what kind of man would would choose to do that like what what's what's he really doing she's like and I just smile because, you know, I know it's just Clark. Yeah. You know, he's just a good man and not even the idea of Superman, but just the idea that there can be a good man or a good person is just it's so inspiring because we see so much shit 
and that's what this series is about is like when we especially in the fall is like we can see so much shit in the world around us and all these terrible people who are hurting people for their own gain and all these horrible things going on and the whole story of superman is to remind us that not just it's not to give us like this like oh there's going to be this perfect being who comes along and fixes everything for us it's to remind us that like there are good people out there trying to make the world a better place for no other reason than they believe that they should. And that is like what's so powerful about Superman as a character. Yeah, that's that's why everybody that's why everybody still loves him. That's why I still love him. Um, and that's why I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. So well, I'll put a pin in that. What I like about this fourth last chapter is that it's it parallels the first chapter in that a natural disaster kind of spurns Clark into his next stage of development. Yeah. Where saving people from a tornado, um, he's like, okay, like I can do this. This is this. I want to do this. This is what I'm going to be. Yeah. And here he is in winter. He's feeling low. He doesn't know what, what to do. He just realized that it, it wasn't, it's not arrogance. It wasn't arrogance that he was, you know, feeling before that got shattered. It was just like the expectations he puts on himself, you yeah. know, like, like I thought I could, you know, do everything because I have all of this power and it turns out I couldn't. Yeah. And it was a so useful he's, arrogance, a sort of yeah. naive arrogance where it's like, I'm going to make everything better for everyone. And 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 Paul says like he he equates it to him starting out as a farmer and how a crop of corn, his first crop of corn was great. And then how like two seasons after that, like they were shit. Yeah. And he's like, it's not about finding out that you have limitations. It's about what you do with those limitations, how yeah. you adapt to those limitations. There's it's raining. It's been raining like pretty much throughout most of the issue and everything's starting to flood in Smallville. Lana and Clark are talking and they kind of like wrap everything up. And she's like, go make things safe, Superman. And she gives him a kiss and they kiss. And it's it's not it's not like a swooning romantic like uh, kind of kiss. It's just like it's sort of a it's a closure kiss. Yeah. And it's it's so cute. I love it. <laughs> it warms my heart. Got that fit. <laughs> and Superman, you know, reinvigorated just by being around the people that he loves, that love him. Goes around and he just he saves Smallville from the flood. Yeah, and it's so it's so poignant that this happens in Smallville because throughout this whole issue, he's learning how Smallville has changed. In the first issue, there were like these four older guys who always played poker together at this table, the diner that they always went to, and they'd always like chat up Clark whenever he came in. And then like even in the summer one, we still see them there. And then we get to winter, and like we find out that one of them's died. Also, we find out that like Pete Moss, Pete Ross. <laughs> Pete Ross is more bitter now. He still hasn't left Smallville and he's like very upset that like both Clark and Lana left him there behind. He's not and then came back. Yeah, and then came back to and he kind of feels like they're rubbing it in his face, you know. Like Smallville has changed, but the fact that Clark refines his love of being Superman here is so powerful because it's like Smallville is ingrained in him as a person. This idea of being in a small community where you know everybody's names, where everyone greets you with a smile and you care about everyone 
Like, you want everyone to be happy and safe because you know them. They're important to you. The fact that this is where the finale takes place, and it's just him saving people from a flood. There's no sincere sense of danger throughout most of it, because you know he's going to be able to. He's Superman. But, like, the fact that this is what brings him back around is great, because what he lost in Metropolis was this sort of sense of, like, why he's doing what he does. You know, he felt like he needed to stand up to Lex because Lex is being a bully, and he felt like he needed to save everyone because, hey, I've got all these powers. And those are good, noble causes, but why he really does what he does is because he cares about people. It's not because he wants to be the greatest hero or that he wants to show up bullies like Lex. It's that he cares about people and he wants them to be safe and happy. Yep. That's, that's, um, the, cut that out. Um, <laughs> no. After everything gets wrapped up in Smallville, he goes back to Metropolis. What I like about the ending is that there's, there's no, like, you kind of maybe expect not like a full blown second confrontation with Lex where he like beats Lex or anything like that. Yeah. But you kind of expect maybe like, he's going to be like, show up there and be like, Hey, Lex. I'm back, you know, do your worst. But he doesn't do that. He's just, he, he comes back to Metropolis, saves cats out of trees, he you know. A kid. Not, he saves a kid saves on the building the, again. The same stupid kid. <laughs> I like to run on the outside ledge of his building. Yeah. His skyscraper. We've seen that kid, what, in, <laughs> he started in summer and we've seen him in like fall yep. and winter where he's just like out there. Just an idiot kid. He's like, I'm going to chase a cat onto a windowsill off a 36-story building. It's not bad enough that you're like dozens of stories up on a ledge chasing a cat. You're also out there doing it again in winter with snow on the ledge. (laughs) You dumb kid. Superman should let you fall. Mm -hmm. But um, he's flying around doing his Superman business and he just flies by, not even purposely, he just flies by Lex's building and Lex is just like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) What I like, too, about with that kid is that at the very end there, he introduces himself, you know, that throughout we've seen Uh that kid before. And at this point where Superman realizes why he does what he does, he takes the time to make the actual connection with the kid. He's like, what's your name? And the kid's like, my name's I think it was Trevor or something. He's like, my name's Trevor. And he's like, nice to meet you, Trevor. I'm Superman. And it's just like. Yeah, this is the reason he does what he does, because he cares about people and he wants to make that connection with this kid and give him something to inspire towards. Yeah, the the whole um, story, he never refers to himself as Superman. Yeah. Or anything like that. Finally, as like he gains the confidence in himself again, he's he's fine with embracing that label, that title. Yeah, because he's finally secure in who he is and who he's going to be. I love I love the little. A uh, joke when he first saves that kid in summer, and he's like, "Wow!" The kid's like, "Wow!" Cool <laughs> costume or whatever, and he's yeah. like, "Thanks, my, my mom, mom made it." it. <laughs> Very <laughs> cute. Oh, you're such a dork. Yeah, it's great. Um, um, so yeah, that wraps up Superman for all seasons. Mm-hmm. You want to do some nerd ethics? I just wanted to get into before before nerd ethics. Okay. Um, why I think that this is the perfect first Superman comic for people who want to get into the character or for people who think that he's lame or boring. Yeah. Us Superman fans for as iconic as he is, um, there's kind of no denying that his favorability in the wider pop cultural 
you know, Zeitgeist has kind of taken a dip. Yeah. Um, he's not quite as beloved um, with people as your Spider-Mans, your Marvel characters now. Your, your Batman. Batman. <laughs> Always the Batman um, comparison. You hear, oh, he's too boring or he's too milk toast. He's too white bread. He's not, he's just not interesting, yada, yada. And th- like, as many Superman comics as I love, this is the one that I would recommend to people first because he's such a relatable character. Mm-hmm. This specific story completely breaks down everything that is entertaining and interesting and likable about the character. Despite the fact that he's in this bright red and blue suit doing superheroic things, like his sort of understated just uncertainty with himself is, is so it's so relatable. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter what his insecurity about himself is. It's just the fact that he's feeling it in such a human way. Yeah. Is, is what makes him so relatable and what makes him an interesting character. Like I think people who just, who aren't quite familiar with him just think he's this smiling dork who just goes around throwing planets around yeah, and, you know, really, saving cats from trees. And that's, that's not who he is. Yeah, I really need to meet, read some of his more like the actual canon stories where he's like, doing more of the fighting major threats and stuff to see how they hold up compared to these. Cause we've only done like a few little mini series that aren't canon and whatnot. I think part of the reason people might not like him as a character is because, you know, depending on what you focus on with him, he can be a boring character. If you focus on him, just like defeating some villain, if that's your main focus, then like, yeah, we know Superman's going to win. And even if he doesn't, he's going to get back up later and win. It's it's no surprise that Superman, the person who's literally designed to be the most powerful, perfect being, is like going to come out victorious in the end. There's no real suspense there. Where the interest in Superman comes from is seeing him deal with the burden of being a hero and how human he is in dealing with that burden. So, like, I really think it does come down to, like, writers and, like how he's written like if you just focus on here's a, here's a thing you know he's not goku we no we haven't we've talked briefly about how everybody makes this superman versus goku argument and that's more for the fun of just like oh uh, which one's stronger and whatnot but there are like some thematic comparisons between them they have similar origin stories being aliens from a different world that came to earth um and were raised by humans but like at their core, they're incredibly different characters. Whereas Goku, we talked about a lot in our Dragon Ball one, Goku is all about perseverance in the face of adversity and striving for self-improvement. And even though we may know that Goku's always going to come out on top in a fight, like we love seeing Goku get into fights because that's where he draws strength and finds himself. You know, the stories with Goku fighting super powerful bad guys are fun because that's where Goku thrives. Superman's stories, I don't think thrive there because they're not about him overcoming some seemingly impossible challenge. They're about showing how someone, what it takes to be a good person in a not so good world. Yeah. Um, his, as, as cool as it is to see him duke it out with, you know, uh, other superpowered beings and like lift heavy things and do crazy, awesome stuff. What, what, what appeals the appeal of Superman to me and for a lot of his fans, as I'm going to speak for them, <laughs> even 
in stories where like it might not necessarily dive into his character too much. Mm-hmm. People like just what he represents and like who he is as as a person. He's Christopher Reeve who played Superman in the first Superman movies that came out in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, there's this, there's this interview where he's like. You know, Superman's your friend. You know, that's that's why I think people like him so much. Yeah. Is that he's he's just your friend and he's gonna help you out and he's gonna do the right thing. The optimism mm-hmm. of the character, the oh, you know, things can be good, you know, people can be good. It's hope. People, people can fight for hope. Like that is why he's so endearing and has lasted so long. And there's been a shift in pop culture where, you know. People are more into, you know, the dark and the gritty and the realistic and the deconstruction. Oh, and As much as I the, like stories and, like Invincible and yeah. whatnot, I am so tired of the evil Superman trope. It's not subversive anymore, guys. Like It's not subversive anymore. I mean, I, I still like them to see what they can do with them, but... Yeah, it's just... I, because tastes have shifted to, in that direction where either something has to be, like, dark and gritty and violent, or it has to be, like meta and ironic. Yeah. Like I just I get the sense that people just they don't know how to take sincerity. Yeah. You know, anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just like sincerity just feels cheesy and trite. It's it, it's hard to have hope with some of the shit we're dealing with right now. And, and I completely understand that. Yeah. <laughs> but believe me. But I but think that's, that's also that's why I love Superman so much is because yeah. and the DC universe as a whole I love DC so much because it feels like what our world could be like if we all just tried a little harder. Mm-hmm. If people in, if people were just a little bit better. That's why I love DC so much is that it represents in my opinion what people are capable of. And Superman is the figurehead of that kind of like what Captain America is to Marvel. Yeah. So, yeah, people, all you <laughs> people out there who still think Superman is boring, pick this one up. Uh, Pick up a damn comic. <laughs> read one of his comics before you make a judgment. Like this is four comics long. It's a very short read. You can do it it's in an, an hour. Easy, yep, it's an easy read. It's gorgeous. Yeah. If you it's don't, heartwarming. Yeah. It's beautiful. This one and Superman smashes the clan have definitely made me into a Superman fan. I am glad. I will continue to recommend things <laughs> <laughs> to you. Let's do some nerd ethics. Nerd ethics. Okay, I've got a simple one. It's one that I'm sure everybody's talked about at some point, but I want to get our take on it. Let's assume that you have Superman's powers. You just wake up one day and you have all of his incredible abilities. What do you think you should do with them versus what do you think you would do with them? Oh, oh good God almighty. That is a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, everybody wants to fly. Yeah. So... I think the the base is just you know take a quick flight, yeah. um, <laughs> break some break some shit, break a <laughs> redwood in half, you know, uh, lift a blue whale out of the ocean, wow. something like that. <laughs> You're gonna be a dick to the environment right out the gate, huh? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that's what people would do because yeah. people. I'm not asking <laughs> about people. I'm asking you what you what Tyler. Would I, what would, would I do, do if I woke up with Superman's powers? Yeah. I feel like I should do versus what what, I would do. Start with what you would do, and then let's talk about what you think you should do. Like, what the most most ethical use of those abilities would be. Well, thinking about how I've been lately. Yeah. (laughs) My my whole mindset 
in relation to everything going on in the world right now. Yeah. What I what I would do is I would probably just fly as far the fuck away as I possibly could <laughs> and just like punch boulders and glaciers and just laser beam things just to let out all my pent up frustration. Oh, you just go full Dr. Manhattan and just go sit on Mars away from yeah, humanity. I'd just go sit on Mars and make a clockwork castle out of sand or something. Yeah. But what I should do, that's, that's interesting because a lot of comics they kind of get into the whole like people with these powers and these abilities like what is their response responsibility to like you know foreign policy and and you know world government and authority like yeah what's the ethics of that what should they do like should they be like registered you know a la civil war or watchmen or <laughs> the incredibles yeah or should we just let them be free agents like what are the problems that come with that mm-hmm. um as much as I like the hopeful, optimistic view of of superheroes, I completely know that if one of them were to ever show up, we would hunt it down like a feral dog oh, and, try to kill and try to murder the person. There's not a government in the world that wouldn't immediately try to murder them. So I want to. I what we should. Do, I God, I don't know. Uh not not what we should do in response to them, but like if you had those powers, what do you think your ethical use of them would be? My I gosh darn. You wanna think on that for a second? <laughs> I'll think on that for a I'll second. Th- I'll tell you mine. My would do kind of bleeds into maybe what I think we should do, but it's also kind of more gray. I'll say what I th- let me go ahead and say what I think that person should do. Like if I woke up and I had all these powers, you're right. There is a lot of shit going on in the world. And I think the idea of just being like in in comics and stuff, we get all these individual acts of heroism where like Superman saves like a plane from crashing or stops a missile or beats up some goons. And those are all great. I think it's wonderful to do all these individual acts of heroism. But in the real world, what's really causing so much suffering are these huge systems of oppression and prejudice and just pushing down people to make more for the elite. And I think if I had suddenly the power to literally change the world, like I became a one man ultimate nonstop army there would be a really very real question of like how much would i try to influence the world around me because on the one hand it's like make you a fascist yeah on the one hand it's like i would be sort of a hypocrite tyrannical god you know to go out and just start dismantling systems of power uh, and just inflicting my own regime onto the world that would be very like egotistical for me to do but on the other hand th- suddenly there would be a person who has all of this power to enact change that wouldn't be bound by all of the processes and systems that hold down everyone else it's not like you can't like shoot superman with tear gas and expect him to disperse like a crowd of protesters you can't you can't like pass a law that says superman has to submit to arrest like you can't stop superman with any of the systems in power if superman wanted to he absolutely could just change the world the question is is that the right thing to do or not 
And mm-hmm. I don't have a solid answer there because, like I said, on the one hand, it's very egotistical and tyrannical to just go one man, I am going to fix everything. But on the other hand, you have the power to change all these systems of oppression and stop them. Why wouldn't you? You know, I, yeah, I don't know it, what the should it, necessarily it's sticky. is. I don't, it's sticky. Know, I don't know what the should there is, but quite frankly, if there was a would, I probably would start going about and dismantling America from the bottom up. <laughs> like I, I was leaning toward that. Like, like I was like, I kind of want to go in that direction, but I'll see what Isaac has to say first. I, I can't. And, I can't say that it's necessarily the ethical thing, and you can always say like, power corrupts. You'll just become the next tyrant. But like, God, there's so much shit that's so, and it's tied into so many systems of power where it's like almost impossible to change. Like all the voter suppression and stuff, where it's like, oh, if we just do this peacefully, then maybe we can change things. No, like there's so much stuff that goes into ways of keeping the pe- power in power and like to suddenly to suddenly be given the ability to make changes in the world like I don't know that I could resist that urge you know even if there is an ethical dilemma of like maybe I'll just be the next tyrant I don't know if I could resist the urge to be like I'm going to fly to Washington DC rip the Congress building (laughs) out of the ground toss it into the sun and say elect some new real leaders and let's face it in the real world our very existence would be seen as a threat yeah it doesn't matter what we say what we say our beliefs are how we go about you know expressing those beliefs no matter what we do how we turn our existence in and of itself would be a threat and you know that like the systems of power would use that you know the mainstream media would do nothing but talk about how we're a threat to humanity and everything there would be no non-stop talk about how we're a danger to life on earth even though even if we're working specifically to protect life on earth but it's like yeah. I don't necessarily know if like trying to single-handedly fix everything to uh, into a world that I think would be better is the correct the morally upright thing to do but I don't know if I could resist trying you know yeah well the thing to do would be to get a coalition of people a league of justice <laughs> if you will yeah you know who, who share you know your ideas for a better brighter world to have that sort of backup you know the, the human face you know yeah. but at the same time as as much people as you could sway to your side you know the, the superman party um <laughs> it would still just be like Man, it doesn't matter how many how, how many good points they have. They, they they got Superman, so anything you see against them, like they could just send Superman out to punch our heads off. Yeah, <laughs> that fear will always make people hate you. That that instant power dynamic is is in and of itself, like like I was just saying, is is a threat. It's 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 the insinuation, the implied, like just just our existence is a, is a implied sense of you know. Yeah, they're not going to do whatever. I could do whatever I want to you people whenever I want if you say the wrong thing to me, you they're know? Not, they're not going to say no to Superman because of the implication. Yeah, because even <laughs> even if even if us as Superman never said anything remotely threatening, yeah. like people would still have that thought in the back of their head because, yeah. because he could break the world in half if the, he wanted to. The implication. Implication. <laughs> God, now I just need a always sunny episode with like the now, Justice League. Now, yeah, we just need a uh, Dennis, <laughs> Dennis <laughs> Superman. Superman. 
Oh, I would Jesus love a parody. Christ. I would love a parody with Dennis is Superman. Uh, fuck, who is Mac, Mac? Is Batman? Charlie <laughs> is the fucking not even the Joker. Who would Charlie be? Charlie would be the Creeper. <laughs> Do you know who the Creeper is? No. Look up the Creeper. He'd be the Creeper or the Rat Catcher. Yeah, the Rat Catcher. Charlie would be Rat He'd Catcher. Be the the rat DC catcher yeah. <laughs> D would be D. Hawk Girl. Obviously, Hawk Woman. Yes, Hawk the Girl. Bird. Who would Frank be? Frank, Frank would be the penguin because he already was the penguin oh, in Batman Returns. <laughs> or the Adam, the guy who can shrink himself into small sizes. Uh, he'd be Trash Man. He throws trash around. Do you have any other points on nerd ethics you want to? Is that the only topic? Of nerd the only one. I don't. I don't want nerd ethics to drag on to like a super long segment of the show. Just like maybe. Yeah one or two questions like we did eating Pokemon when we did the Pokemon one. <laughs> I, I don't like to think too hard about superheroes in our world, because when I do, I realize like the, the fantasy of superheroes breaks yeah. down immediately. Yeah. Because I don't know if you've looked into them, but there are quote unquote superheroes. There's vigilantes. Yes. There's vigilantes. And you you watch these people and you're just like, oh, God, you you face palm and you cringe and you're just like they're cringe at best like, and absolutely out of their mind, violent yeah. at worst. <laughs> Look up Phoenix Jones. The guy's a goddamn maniac. Yeah. Like you, you sit there and you watch these people like eh, there's a reason these are comic books. You yeah. know, <laughs> let us have the fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just have the fantasy, please. Mm-hmm. Oh, <sighs> boy. But yeah. And I mean, unless you have another ethical quandary related to Superman you want to present? Hmm. Well, actually, before... No, that wouldn't work because that's politicized now, too. I would say I would just try to work with, you know, fixing climate change. Yeah, I mean, everything's but, political now. There's no not yeah. political at this point. I would just... I would I would repair the ozone layer myself. I would <laughs> go around and destroy all... I would break Jeff Bezos's cock rocket over my knee. <laughs> <laughs> I would destroy all of the major em- emissions uh, producers on the globe. Have you watched the rest of Invincible yet? No. You should. It's great, just in general. But what I really like about Invincible is the uh, the character Adam Eve. What I really like about her as a character is that she just decides, hey, this whole superhero thing isn't for me. I'm kind of done with it. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And she just spends all of her time, like fixing the planet and like fixing like the environment and stuff because she has basically the power to do whatever she wants. I really don't understand what her power is. She says she's got like complete mastery of science, but like what the fuck does that mean? But she just like starts like regrowing forests and like digging rivers and stuff and like fixing all of these natural problems. And I think, yeah, I guess she just has all of the natural sciences at her fingertips, like all all the elements of science. But like chemistry, um, geology, stuff like that. She just starts fixing the environment. And that feels like a very real transition for like a superhero in a more realistic world where like, hey, I'm just sort of contributing to this systematic repetition of violence between me and these crazy people. Maybe I should really focus on long term change. Yeah, fight fight the billionaires. Just just fight the oligarchy. Like, I don't know why we just didn't say that from the outset. Just like... (laughs) Everybody hates billionaires now, except for the except for the billionaires, <laughs> except for the billionaires and the billionaire simp's. So yeah. they just fight the billionaires, just steal their money. That's that's what you can do. That's ethical. Yeah, redistribute the wealth. Just take all of their money. 
just fly up with all of their billions and just make it rain across <laughs> the globe. Just yeah. like, ah! <laughs> Drop billions into every country. Yeah. There we go. There's your ethical Superman what to do. What yep, to do. Abolish billionaires. If you're listening to this and you suddenly develop all of the powers of Superman, that's what you do. Just take all of the money and give it to everybody. Or abolish all money and just create a barter system again. Yeah. We all barter. Socialist <laughs> Superman, everyone. Woo! Alright, ready for review review? Let's be. Alright, uh, so on Goodreads, this comic has 4.11 out of 5 stars. We've got a lot of good reviews on everything we've seen on Goodreads, at least. Like we got, we got good taste and shit. We got good taste. This is this first one's from Sana. Sana says, "This is the kind of Superman story I want to read more often. Hell, this is the kind of comic I want to read more often. Rather than focusing on gratuitous action, gore, angst, or fan service, Superman for all seasons set out to tell a very quiet, thoughtful, heartfelt story, and it succeeded. I love that this book made me care about everyone, even characters I didn't know much about or have much use for. By the end of the first chapter, I cared about Clark, the Kents, Lana Lang, Lois Lane, even Smallville, both its inhabitants and the town." itself there's just so much heart here four out of five stars yeah can't uh argue any any of that i totally totally agree like i said i really didn't know anything about lana lang before coming into this and i really like her as a character now i think this story does a great job of introducing her and making you care for her not much else to say about that review you're right sign up (laughs) completely agree this next one comes from roxanne Confession time, I don't really like Superman. There's just something about the guy, I don't know what it is. Maybe it was being forced to watch that crappy 90s TV show, or how fucking dumb uh, disguise he's is. Talking about, <laughs> she's talking about Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, starring Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. I, okay. Was it any good? <laughs> it, if you like really corny 90s shit, yeah. Okay. How fucking dumb as Skies is. Either way, I just tend to avoid the guy the most I see of him is in the Justice League. And even then, it's like, shut up, Kent. Let Bruce deal with this shit, okay? However, I did think maybe I should (laughs) However, I did think maybe I should give this guy a break, so I picked this one up. I read it really quickly in a pretty rough mood, and by the end, I'd totally cheered up. It's kind of cheesy, and it's not too heavy on the plot. There's no dramatic storyline. But if you're feeling you need to pick me up, then this is definitely one to read. It's just really sweet. I'm definitely now going to have to pick up more Superman trades. I feel this is the one to convert you into a Superman fan. I like the guy tons more than I ever did. He's still no Batman, and shit, he ain't Aquaman, but we'll get there. Four out of five stars. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, on one hand, she's exactly the kind of person um, that I was talking about. Uh You know, the person who doesn't get Superman, doesn't like him. But did with this this story. this, This story... Like I said, did exactly what it's supposed to do for her. So mm-hmm. golf clap. What the hell does she mean by he's not even Aquaman? I don't know. <laughs> How is Superman? Okay, I get thinking Superman's boring. I get that argument. How do you put him below Aquaman though? I don't even think Aquaman's a bad character, but like, let me, yeah, the let me put rope the- around him. <laughs> uh, Aquaman has been the most unfairly maligned comic book character. For decades, thank God Jason Momoa has managed to give him some currency in today's pop culture climate. But 
<laughs> I don't think this person read Aquaman stories. I, I just think really they wanted to make don't. a. I just think they wanted to make a snarky, funny joke. Yeah. Next one comes from Nicholas. Nicholas says, The best part of it all is the portrayal of Superman as a lonely and solitary figure, downtrodden from his inability to save everyone and everything. It's a great characterization that treads a fine line between heroism and being too emo. Very well. Five out of five <laughs> stars. Uh, I like I like the point they made. I just don't like how they said it. Yeah, um, there's there's this weird trend where it's like any sort of expression of negative thought is emo, emo yeah. and it's like are we really that broken as a culture to think that's that what, that's any- what i'm saying like people can't handle sincerity and storytelling <laughs> drives me insane like, I, I, like this almost is at the other end is like did you need superman to smile the whole time and crack little witty jokes the whole time without ever showing any hint that like his his idea of being good is like a burden like did you need him to just be perfectly happy and snarky through the whole thing i don't i don't yeah there, there's that and, and and people who want to label everything that tells a serious story or has a serious message as edgy yeah like if i can erase edgy from the the vernacular when discussing like pop culture and art i would because if a movie isn't like a complete riot laugh fest like the guardians movies or something like that right like people like they always call it edgy he's trying to be edgy it's like no it's just trying to tell a serious story it's not trying to be edgy not everything is edgy not everything needs to make you laugh I love comedy. I think it's super powerful, not just as an individual genre, but as like an element in any story. But you don't need to be laughing for most of or even like a significant portion of every story. A lot of stories aren't for laughing. Yeah. People loved Logan. Yeah. Um, People love it, but people also call it edgy. Real chuckle fest, that film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but people call it edgy because like it's rated R, there's cursing, it's violent, it's it has a sad ending. Like, no, it's it's not edgy just because it's telling a mature story. Like I used edgy to me sounds like you use it to describe it something that's try hard. Yeah. Immature. Something that is trying too hard to impress with like shadow the hedgehog is edgy (laughs) shadow the hedgehog is edgy something like logan is an edgy it's it's the maturity and 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 how the tone establishes you know the story and i think we're putting words in nicholas's mouth he said that it it walks it treads a fine line between heroism and being too emo yeah like, Sorry, Nicholas. It wasn't. This isn't an attack on you. Yeah. Necessarily, we just kind of went down a, a tangent. Yeah. Uh, so far, I haven't been mad at any of these people who have said anything. <laughs> these have been very good reviews, everyone. Your your review is highly reviewed by us. Anders says, I enjoyed this more than All-Star Superman. While All-Star does explore more sci-fi and late-stage developments in Superman's life, this one really excels at getting you to see who Superman is and why he has become the man he is. Compared to All-Star, it doesn't have weird gimmicky things that are just confusing. A necessary read for any Superman fan, I'd say. I also like the art for this one more than All-Star. Four out of five stars. I'm also <laughs> Okay. This is this is kinda this is loaded here. Okay. Um, Hot All-Star Superman. <laughs> all-star superman is like the most well-regarded superman story of all time yeah and i am not gonna go against that because it's fan fucking tastic um so i disagree sir <laughs> <laughs> it, it was written it's written by grant morrison yeah 
and Grant Morrison, they, yeah, I almost said he, uh, Grant Morrison came out and died. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. They, they kind of have a reputation of having confusing plot elements, and there's, there's some merit to some of that, but I don't think that's true for All-Star Superman. Um, All-Star Superman definitely is far more sci-fi heavy, but it's still all about Clark's character. So um, mm-hmm. it's just this is it's this person's preference, and that's fine. I need to read as, as far as as far as like recommending Superman stories for people who aren't into Superman. Like you could go either way. Yeah, for all seasons is a far more grounded sort of n- naturalistic um, take, while stars big ideas and crazy sci-fi ideas like couched in character exploration. Yeah. I haven't read All-Star in a long time. You loaned it to me. I remember reading it and liking it well enough, but I don't remember being super duper impressed with it. But then again, I wasn't really at a point there where I was like super in. I really wasn't that big of a Superman fan. It wasn't necessarily that I found him boring like everybody else does. I just he didn't really appeal to me that much. Um, And I think that's a lot of people say, like, when people want Superman recommendations, like, is usually like the the first one people mention. And I don't agree with that. mm -hmm. Like, even though it's it's a non-canon story and you can read it as its own thing, I think you do kind of need a bit of um, a backlog of Superman knowledge and exposure. Yeah, because it throws a lot at you. it. It throws a lot at you. There's like he goes to the bizarro world at one point and like. Uh, two guys from the future come back to challenge him at stuff. Like, there's all these different little pieces of lore that get thrown at you that, like, I just felt I was missing out on when I read All-Star. Yeah, All-Star is this huge celebration of everything that has ever been super. So that that's why I don't think it's, like, a, f- a good first wreck. Yeah. Um, I think you need a bit more experience with Superman before you dive into that one. And I- I'm excited to give that one a revisit down the line. Because I am too. Because it's been a while since I've reread it, so I would I, I would like to read it. We could we could we could keep doing Superman comics on the pod because <laughs> this has been going good so far. Yeah, so cool. I've enjoyed all the Superman stuff. We I mean we've only done the two, but I've enjoyed both of them. They've both been really good stories. Um, so Anders Tyler disagrees with you. I kind of agree with you at this point, but that might have just been where I was previously with Superman versus where I am now with Superman. This one is from Michael Amond. Michael says this one's a bit long. Uh, So the premise is all the seasons. Wow, what a third grade premise. It could be nice if it worked, but it doesn't. If you're going to use the seasons as the background to the story, I need more than just a color palette change. I need something that relates to that theme in the story. No, Superman growing up really doesn't count. So beyond the premise, which is quickly forgotten, we have a story of Clark coming to grips with his power, moving to the Metropolis and confronting Luther, a story which has been told over and over and over again, nothing new in the way Loeb tells it. The main turning point is the story is Luther infects the city with a virus that he obviously created and gets a blonde scientist to help Superman administer the cure. Not sure why he needs the blonde scientist, but after this, Luther points out to Superman he couldn't save the city and he should go away. And Superman does. What? So Luther poisons everyone, then cures them, and Superman knows it's Luther who did this, and Superman goes away 
away because this evil man tells him to? Why? Because he felt feeble because he can't do everything? Or because Luther's implying he'll kill everyone if Superman doesn't listen to him? Blackmail. This first reason makes no sense, and the second reason means Superman needs to deal with this madman, not run away. Tim Sale's art's very unappealing to me, and the way he draws Superman's ugly. Superman looks like an overweight farm boy, not a man of steel. He also draws Metropolis in a weird way. Why? Where there are these roads, streets towering over the ground yeah, with no barriers to prevent people from falling off. Just lazy design and drawing. In the end, this book adds nothing to the Superman story, and it feels very lazy and rushed. I am not sure what people like about this book. Two out of five stars. You can tell when I don't like somebody's review because yeah, I, I was, I was, I was, I was just going the dripping disdain <laughs> like in your voice I've got, like, I've got an obnoxious reviewer voice in my head that just like comes out whenever I start reading a review I don't like and when we do review review I'm always afraid that I'm gonna come off like that that asshole that just doesn't agree, like people's different opinions yeah and I guess maybe to an extent sometimes I am <laughs> but, yeah like uh, Here's I mean, my problem with this guy's thing. Everything that he points out is explained in the story, and it feels like yeah, he that's just what wasn't I was gonna say. paying attention. attention. Yeah. Like, first off, the whole, like, he talks about the whole, like, uh, the theme doesn't make any sense. I need something more to the theme, and no Superman growing up really doesn't count. Yes, it absolutely does count. Yeah, like, the entire you... <laughs> The entire point you is answered that your he, own problem there. Like he goes through the stages of his life that resemble the seasons of a year. We talked about how like the spring is a new beginning for him, and the summer is him at his height during the excitement. The fall is the literal fall where things start changing and seeming to get worse. And in the winter, he endures his greatest hardship and starts to be, be renewed by the coming spring again. I mentioned in the beginning that I could see how people can find the the concept trite. But I think it's told in a way that's so understated that, like, if you're not really looking for, like, a deeper theme, that you're not really giving the title for all seasons, you know, much attention. Yeah. You're just in, you're just involved in following Clark's journey mm-hmm. throughout this throughout the year. And I mean, he says he doesn't like Tim Sale's art, which I mean, art completely. I mean, subjective. It's I not going to be for everybody. And <laughs> I mean. He'd, he does kind of look like a big old uh, beefy farm boy, so I can't really knock that. But his thing about but. Luther is totally just like he wasn't paying attention. First off, yeah. Superman in this story doesn't know for sure that Luther's behind this virus. He says, yeah, that's exit, exactly the but point. But he never has any evidence. And second, he doesn't leave because Luther's threatening anybody. He leaves because he failed horribly. And like Luther points that out to him that like, heck, there's even a line in the story where Luther points out like maybe you're at fault for this Superman have you ever considered that as an alien you might have been the alien virus like Luther seeds these doubts in Clark's mind there's a very clear reason as to why Superman leaves that addresses his character arc at this point it's not just like he leaves because he's afraid Luther's gonna kill everybody or because he feels too weak he feels he feels like he's a failure and like he's maybe a threat to people. And another thing I've noticed, sometimes fans, they don't like it when the heroes make mistakes. Yes, I hate it when that's the (laughs) criticism. 
and it it's like that's the whole point is that superheroes are still people and they make decisions that aren't the smartest or best or most logical if your character never fails they're not a character <laughs> could like superman have stuck around in metropolis and like investigated lex more to see if he created the virus vi- yeah but that's not the point <laughs> like the point is he's vulnerable he just had his first real loss as a hero, mm-hmm. and Lex got under his skin too much. That's the point. We're supposed to allow these characters to go through these difficult times and not know what to do. If Superman didn't you know? make mistakes, then he would be as boring as everybody when claims he, thinks he is. is. Yeah. Yeah. He, the fact that he makes mistakes is important to showing how human he is as a character. And... You know, he he shows up in Metropolis again, thus, you know, saying, like, he's still going to continue giving Lex a hard time. Like, it's not, like, explicitly said or stated, mm-hmm. but we know, if you're a Superman fan, you know the Superman dynamic, so you know they're going to be up each, other, each other's ass the whole time. So, like... <laughs> Invalid criticism. <laughs> Invalid criticism. Your opinion May. is biased. May. <laughs> you are biased and nitpicking. I win. Bye bye. <laughs> Superior opinions. Uh, we have. We have them. We reviewed your review and found it lacking. Uh, last review. Very, very brief. Very opposite of the last one. This is from Alexander Tarasov. This is my Superman. Five out of five stars. Okay. <laughs> He's mine. He's mine. <laughs> no, I get what he's saying. I, I agree. I, I, I like this Superman. This is the version of Superman I like to see, where we're very grounded in who he, Clark Kent, is as a person. That wraps it up for Review Review. Do we have any final, final thoughts? I gave my final thoughts before we did um, Nerd Ethics. Yeah. Um, I don't think you gave your final, final thoughts. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed this one. I think I maybe even enjoyed it more than uh, Superman Smashes the Clan because oh, really, yeah, I I like you loved that. I really did. Um, Superman Smashes the Clan. I really really enjoyed, but there were a few little things that I could have nitpicked to say that I didn't like. Like we mentioned, how like there's some plot elements that kind of fall to the wayside and don't come back until the very end. There is a bit of this, even though I do like the sort of uh, focus on Superman and these other characters in Superman Smashes the Clan. It does kind of pull away from Superman a bit, whereas this story is very much using other characters perspectives to show us who Superman is. And I think it does a better job of that than Superman yeah, Smashes the Clan does. Superman Smashes the Clan, like it's not we're not like comparing them in like. This one's just better, and this one's no. They're both they're both fantastic. they're both phenomenal stories that I think are a testament to how great this character is. But I think I like this one more because it shows a bit more specifically why we like Superman. Yeah, like, it's it's a more streamlined, focused look at the Superman character yeah. and the world, whereas. Smashes the Clan is more broad and it has original characters. Don't get so. me wrong, I could watch Superman smack punching racists all day. Like, oh, yeah. make a thousand sequels to Smashes the Clan with every hate group, and I will read. Oh all yeah, of I them. would. <laughs> I would. Ooh, I, I would love an ongoing series in that in that world. Like, we follow the characters like kind of like as they grow up and make friendship with Superman. 
You just gave me a bunch of cool ideas for how that story can continue. Just every but. hate group. Just have him beat up every hate group in the world. I would love to read them. Um, Especially with that art style. Yeah, very, very good art style. I love that one. But uh, I guess that's my general thoughts. Um, Tyler hates giving ratings because numbers like time are a fabrication of mankind's futile effort to prescribe meaning and order in a chaotic and uncaring universe. But I'm happy with words. I'm happy to give Superman for all seasons. Tongue and Geek's first ever four out of four seasons. Yep. I hate ratings as I'm pretentious, (laughs) but I will say that I think this is virtually a perfect comic. I, I agree. So I gave it four out of four. I got no pro. I have no problems with this comic. I don't think there is an element that could have been done better. Awesome. Cool. I'm glad you liked it. I, I had a feeling you would like it. I just didn't think you'd like it this much. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say it's like my favorite comic, but like I, ha- I have no problems with the way this story was told and the things it was trying to say. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so this has been tongue and geek. Thank you all for joining us. And, um, Oh wait, we're not doing Rex. Oh, we can do Rex. I figured we went through a lot of them with Superman Smashes the Clan. We talked about a bunch of the Superman stories, but if you got other Rex, go for it. Uh, yeah. Um, All-Star Superman, even though I said it's not a good first introductory story, but um, I mean, it's it's a classic. It's beloved. It's revered. So give that a shot. Um, are, let me ask you, what are some in-universe, some canon stories of Superman that you would recommend as sort of dipping in points? I was getting to that. Okay. Um, the recent run that ended uh, a little bit over a year ago, maybe two years ago, it started with Rebirth, DC Rebirth in 2016. Yeah. Um, from the creative team, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's fantastic. It's Clark and Lois's parents. They have a son. And I've seen it's, little bits of that. It's just, it's everything people love and want from a Superman story. And just, just seeing him as a parent is such a refreshing angle to read him through. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a significant run. It's over 40 issues, so it's nice and meaty. Yeah. So you can just dive right into it. So that's a good in-canon one, and, it, and it's newer. So um, with a lot of older comics... Um, the tone and style of the writing can be kind of hard to get into with people yeah. who are, who are just starting. So, um, just that's a really good period, modern one. Yep. Time period was very different. Um, there's a really good single issue. Let me look it up. This exact number. It's by Joe Kelly. And I believe the entire title is what's so great about truth, justice in the American way. <laughs> it's just a single issue. What's so, what's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way action comics number 775. It's about this group of superhumans that have a lot of Superman esque powers that come and kind of usurp his spot as like the beloved hero who can save people and fix problems, but it kind of becomes obvious that they're nefarious and violent and their conflict brings Superman right up to the edge. Seeing how he deals with that is really, really interesting and really, really satisfying. I think I read that one. And I remember locking it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's just a single issue. So yeah. it's doesn't take too much time. It's got an animation, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, the, the movie Superman versus the elite. There's a lot of good DC animations that are 
almost straight adaptations of the comics. Mm-hmm. Kind of rapid fire more Rex here. Um, the original Superman movie, Superman movie from 1978. Um, it's kind of similar in aesthetics to uh, For All Seasons. It's a classic. It's in the benchmark for superhero movies. And if you want another good origin story, read Birthright by Mark Wade. It's a more sort of modern retelling. Uh, I could go on and on, but I think no, I th- wrap it up with that. Yeah, I think we've got plenty here for people to look into. I've, I'm certainly going to look into more Superman. I've really enjoyed the Superman we've read so far. Come to me, my child. Come to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's this has been Tongue and Geek. Thank you all for joining us. And I, I, are you? I'm not super in love with our new intro. The whole like okay. you can't get our time back. Uh huh. It's just not as like snappy as "Don't Tell My Mom" was. And I, we gotta find something snappy, Tyler. When is um, snappy? How outro? about? We hope you liked it, or please <laughs> like us. Or how about something cloying? Something and, really desperate. Yeah, and desperate. How about like, share, and subscribe? <laughs> please, please. We can't even get we've over been the- sitting. We've been sitting at nine subscribers, and like six of those are just us and like <laughs> our family and significant others. We've made please nine accounts. Subscribe to ourselves. us <laughs> and put put this begging plea for subscribers in the front of this episode so people can hear it <laughs> oh, right off the bat. God, all I want is to be internet famous. Uh, shit, I should have really thought up some different ideas, but I really just came in here hoping you'd have some masterpiece of an outro. Dude, I can't even get background ready for any <laughs> It's the one thing about. I give to you and you never are you're never ready. <laughs> Not even for the properties that you know better than me. <sighs> I'm just I'm just I'm just so I'm just like whatever, bro. I just coast, man. Like no point in stressing. We only have nine subscribers. Who are we trying to impress? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe no point in stressing? No, that's dumb. It doesn't that's relate to anything. That's just our opinions, man. You know, it, you know what? It'll come to us. Why don't we just like from now on until like something sparks in, in the gray matter. Why don't we just, you know, just be like, hi, thanks for listening. Hope you liked it. See you later. I'm Bye. Just, I'm just going to do a Rick and Morty-esque, like random catchphrase at the end of every one until we find <laughs> one that we can land on. Just like, oh, never wear a hat in August. <laughs> <laughs> don't lick your armpits, folks. Have a good night. Okay. Okay. You want to pitch a few others, or we just want to keep... <laughs> oh, I thought you were actually logging off on that uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Never eat a mud pie in the dark. Oh, we could do like, southernisms. <laughs> Stupid southernisms. <laughs> like, just make up random ones that don't just, make any just, sense. Just stereotype yeah. the South. Perpetuate the stereotypes yeah. of the South. <laughs> you don't put out a salt lick if you ain't expecting cows. I thought salt licks were for deer. They're for cows and deer. All, kind, mm. all kinds of grazing animals love them. Never put out a meth lick if you're not expecting <laughs> a meth lick. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Maybe I'll just scream by at the audience. I'm going to stop oh! recording now. <laughs> <laughs>